Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch, the show about New Orleans business. We're in the Garden District at Commander's Palace, only a few blocks from the river. And you know, a lot of New Orleans is only a few blocks from the river. Mostly the river is hidden from us by levees, fences, and flood walls. But the city is built around the crescent in the Mississippi River in more ways than one. The founders of the city of New Orleans started at the river and built outwards. There was a good reason for that. In the first of many ironies to come, the river was the driest ground. It is also the heart of the city's economy, and although we are now justifiably proud of the new entrepreneurs, our booming hospitality industry, and our significant contributions to the nation's oil and gas production, the Port of New Orleans is still our most significant economic anchor. 63,000 people work on the river, and allied occupations account for another 300,000 jobs. At the top of this pyramid is the president and CEO of the Port of New Orleans, Gary Lagrange. Even a president has to eat, and Gary is my <laughs> guest today on Out to Lunch. Uh, Gary, thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Peter. It's one thing to look at the big picture and talk about 63,000 jobs and millions of tons of cargo at the port, but each of those jobs are individual New Orleanians who are in one way or another responsible for loading, unloading, and moving these huge amounts of goods up and down the river. The nuts and bolts of all this are the boats and barges. One of the principal players on the river is Canal Barge. Canal Barge was founded in 1933, making it its 80th year. Uh, Canal Barge's current CFO and treasurer is Doug Downing. Doug is sitting across the table from me here at Commander's Palace. Doug, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Great to be here. You started in 1933. So many things started during the Depression. It seems like a bad time to start some, but it's, it obviously worked out. It did. The company <laughs> started out with just uh, one boat and one barge, and we've grown, been growing ever since. Wow. <laughs> now, Doug, I, I will start off by telling everybody that you were an honor graduate of the Freeman School of Business. So we have to, people have to know how smart you are before we get started. But let me start by asking a simple question. When you stand at the butterfly behind the zoo or the moonwalk downtown, and you look out on the river and you see these long barges being pushed by boats, uh, I know this is a rather general and unspecific question, but by and large, what are those boats carrying and where are they coming from and where are they going to? Well, Peter, they're, they're generally coming uh, and going from the Mississippi River system and all its tributaries. And at this point in time, there's over 600 million tons of cargo that move on that system every year. So the tributaries, I'm thinking like with the Ohio River. All Ohio the River, Illinois River, Upper Mississippi River, Missouri River, Arkansas River, and the like. And then they're, are they going, um, since your, your barges, they stay along the river, or, or do they have ocean-going capabilities as well? Or? Uh, these are mostly, what you're watching there are inland barges. If they're being pushed by towboats, so a towboat pushes something and a tugboat uh, might pull it. And so the offshore barges are bigger um, 
and uh, they have uh, model bow, which is a, a you know pointed bow as opposed to a blunt bow that pushes the inland barges. Oh, okay. Now, oh, now where are these going? I mean, where is the? Let, let's give an example of a of uh, a delivery. Uh, it started in uh, Cincinnati. What what might it be, and where is it heading? Well, it it could be. Let's let's don't start in Cincinnati. Let's start for the grain farmer maybe because yeah. that'll involve okay. the port yeah, more. Sure. So you've got a uh, an Iowa farmer, and he's trying to compete with a Brazilian farmer. Okay, and so his cost. Um, and that Iowa corn field are probably higher than that Brazilian farmer relative to labor and the cost of the property and everything else. Um, however, he can compete with that Brazilian farmer because of the river system, because of the port of New Orleans and the like, um, because of the uh, locks and dams that we have established over 70 years ago that allow us to be globally competitive in exporting things like grain, chemicals, uh, and any number of other products. And what was, uh, we can, is that what we refer to as bulk uh, commodities? Yes, uh, that is. And that is the port of New Orleans strength. And if, it, if it's coming from uh, that farmer, where is, it's going on barge down the Mississippi River, and then where does it go from there, and what's your role? In well, that? that's, that's where Gary's group kind of takes <laughs> over, but we, um, uh, and we don't move grain. Um, our company does not, but there's a tremendous amount of it being moved um, on the system. But it's basically coming into uh, the port of New Orleans, for example, and there it's being transloaded uh, into ocean-going ships and ocean-going barges to be delivered at ports all over the world. Wow. Now, you, uh, now uh, when I think of the work you do, uh, one of the things I think about is, oh, all the uh, obstacles you've had to deal with. For instance, you know, we've had, uh, you know, the, oh, the, the hurricanes and all that, but you've had accidents along the river. You had, uh, um, more recently, droughts, right? right. We've well, had. It's been a little biblical uh, in a <laughs> lot of ways in that we've had uh, uh, historically high water uh, 24 months ago uh, and then historically low water here in the past year. Uh, and now we're back up to high water again, yep. so it's an outdoor sport, uh, <laughs> and, we, and we, have to, uh, we have to live with that. Um, but the barge industry has uh, survived and thrived because of its uh, cost structure. We're, we are right now moving about 15% of the nation's freight for about 3% of the nation's cost. So we're more efficient than uh, trucks and rails by a wide margin, and, um, and because of those locks and dams um, and that are out there, it allows us to be uh, competitive uh, globally as well. And isn't there some great statistic like the uh, a barge can push the equivalent of how many truckloads? Or right. Something? So um, a 15-barge tow, which is pretty common on the Ohio River, or on the Upper Mississippi River, and they get bigger when you get down here. But a 15-barge tow can move the same as over a thousand trucks. Uh, wow. And so the problem that our industry has, I think, is not that we have a, a good reputation or a bad reputation, is that we have no reputation. And you know, enlightening, um, you know, your listeners and, and uh, the constituents out there about the value of, uh, of our industry to this nation's economy is, is something we work very hard at. Um, and I think if you have alternatives, I think you'd rather be moving it by barge because of the cost effectiveness, but also because of the traffic congestion and other oh, things sure. that might result in having that, that cargo move by truck. I'm so glad you're not pushing those barges down Chapatula. That's that right. That would be a good example. They, uh, now, Gary, uh, you've been president and CEO of the port since 2001. You've been through Katrina, the BP oil spill, the recession, and you're still standing. Obviously, this is a huge job, running a billion-dollar business with 300 employees working directly uh, under you at the port alone. But what isn't so obvious is how it all works. Uh, what exactly is the port of New Orleans as a, as a corporate entity, and uh, does the city own the port? No, the, uh, the port is a state entity created by the uh, Constitution of Louisiana. And as such, although we're an orphan child to the state, we get no funds from the state, we get no taxes, we operate as a free enterprise system. Everything that we make over the docks and over the side, much like a, an individual private in, free enterprise business, is the way we operate. Um, 
we have a very lengthy and transparent nomination process for the seven seats on our dock board. Uh, those seven individuals are nominated by roughly 15 to 18 different entities uh, throughout the greater New Orleans area, uh, which serves the jurisdictional area of Orleans, Jefferson, and St. Bernard parishes. Uh, in that, uh, those names all come together, and over a six or eight week period, they'll form a committee of themselves and whittle it down to three names, which are submitted to the governor, from which the governor chooses one. It's really tantamount to, or even more difficult than being elected to an elected position. Uh, <laughs> it's quite lengthy, but it's beautiful, it's transparent. Uh, certainly everything's, well. a, everything's above the table, uh, and I can certainly tell you that after four stops over a 38-year period, four different ports, uh, this one this one is just beautiful. It's very, very good. It's fun to work at. Uh, there, there are no lingering moments where you got to wonder if whether or not you made the right decision. Uh, this is being that the Port of New Orleans is making it to the show, <coughs> as a major leaguer might say in baseball. But that said... Uh, I was listening to Doug's comments a little while ago, and the whole thing is, is very uh, interconnected. Miami, New York, New Jersey, L.A., Long Beach would kill to have the, what we have here, the Mississippi River, and its connectivity. 14,500 miles, as Doug alluded to, through 33 different states. Uh, about a month ago, you asked a question earlier. Uh, I was in Jeffersonville, Indiana, watching steel offloaded out of a barge which had been offloaded out of an ocean-going vessel here in New Orleans 12 days earlier. So there's the connectivity and when you talk about a market area it's basically Minneapolis, St. Paul and Chicago down to Dallas, down to Birmingham, back down to New Orleans like a big diamond with one big right arm gone up to Pittsburgh on the Ohio River Valley. Over 60% of the consumer spending public in the United States are represented by what Canal Barge Line represents and serves and what the Port of New Orleans represents and serves. So and then what about on the rail side? We're also pretty fortunate there, right? Sure. The railroads, the railroads copycatted uh, the river, and they caught on real early last century. And we have more trunk line one railheads of any deep draft port of the 383 ports in America uh, with six of them. All six are located here. So... We've got the CSX, the Union Pacific, the, the Norfolk Southern, the uh, Canadian National, Kansas City Southern, and uh, Burlington Northern, all located here and connected by the Public Belt Railroad. So it's quite an intermodal port. We call ourselves a gateway to America and have for quite some time, and, and I'm very proud of that. The barge industry, though, one thing that I don't want to leave with is America is becoming a very green, sustainable country. And it's the barge industry, the inland barge industry, that allows us not to beat up our highways and bridges with overweight trucks, and that allows us to carry more cargo uh, on a on a per unit basis. And much lower emissions, uh, you know, yeah, in terms of emissions sure. per ton. Um, it's it's just no no comparison between sure. us and the other modes. I mentioned earlier these locks and dams have been in place, you know, for over 60 years, and. Um, we're at, a, we're at a tipping point in many ways because they're so critical to our competitiveness, and yet they've been neglected. When we think of the Port of New Orleans, this is one of the questions that always comes up, is there's the Port of New Orleans, and then there's the rest of the Port of South Louisiana. How does all that work? 
Well, we have five ports on the Mississippi River, and together, if you combine them all, the last 290 miles from Baton Rouge to the mouth of the river is, in fact, the largest port system in the world. It's bigger than Rotterdam, Shanghai, Singapore, any of them. And Shanghai has the Yangtze, uh, as we have the Mississippi and its tributary. So it's pretty mind-boggling at the end of the day. But just from Baton Rouge to the mouth of the river, we move almost 500 million tons of cargo on an annual basis. Nobody comes close to that. If you look at a chart, based on U.S. customs districts in terms of foreign waterborne commerce, New Orleans is number one, followed by Houston, number two. It's absolutely, and everybody else is a distant third, fourth, and on the way down. So it's, it's huge. Uh, uh, Doug alluded to the grain industry earlier. That industry, it's over 60% of all the grain grown in the United States comes right through here, right through the port of New Orleans, on its way to Asia for the most part as cattle feed, uh, livestock feed. And, you know, you can tell I've been wanting to have you for a long time. That's why I'm asking all these questions. Tell me, we consider uh, the bulk carriers that we've been talking about, but there's also the uh, containers. Are we big in containers, or is that more of a West Coast thing, or how does that work? No, not at all. Uh, we're growing in containers. We, uh, we were traditionally, our cornerstone has always been break bulk, the types of things that we can load up in a barge fairly easily. Uh, and by break bulk, I'm talking about things that are either wrapped with metal bands or on a pallet or something of that nature, something that's not in a container and a box. But as we sit here and speak every minute, something else is moving in a container that wasn't moving five years ago. So the container growth is really proliferating. Uh, we see a large growth, I think, all of our poultry in the future. We're the largest exporter of poultry in the United States, of which 44% is grown here in Louisiana. So we think that's good. But we think all of that's going to shift to reefer boxes, which are containers in the not-so-distant future. It's refrigerated. Yeah, reefer. Uh, yeah, a, let's get that straight. Okay, I want to <laughs> clear that up. Wow. And, and the last question I had about this was uh, we've been talking about the commercial side, but are you also the folks that are in charge of, like, the cruise ships? And, yeah. And yeah. how big is all that? Well, we're the fastest-growing cruise ship port in America. Uh, we're now moved up to 7th. Uh, we think we're going to be 5th in short order. Uh, we now have four home-ported ships here that call New Orleans home. Every given weekend, we've run 25,000 passengers through our cruise ship terminals. Wow. Most of those passengers will spend an average of 1.9 nights here in the city. The average cruise ship passenger, here's a statistic from CLIA, the Cruise Lines International Association. The average cruise line passenger will spend out-of-pocket $92 a day in direct spending at a port-of-call that they're calling on. Here in New Orleans, they spend $335 a day. That's a lot of beignets. That's a lot of beignets <laughs> and other things. Wow, that that's terrific. They, uh, you know, this is the part of the show we call the checklist, and it's uh, we usually ask you a couple of questions that wouldn't show up on a on a loan application. I'll start with uh, start with uh, Doug. Um, uh, Doug, do you play an instrument? Uh, I do. What do you play? Do. Uh, acoustic guitar. Acoustic guitar. Yeah, I'm, I'm what kind of music is? I mean, do you uh, like? Is, is there an artist you emulate? Folk music, things like that. Uh, people like John Prine or Robert O'Keefe and the like. God, I love those artists. Yeah. We have a lot more in common than I thought. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is great. What, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, I played in a rhythm and blues band for nine years, valve trombone. It was the, before the synthesizers, the big horn sections of five and six, sort of uh, a.k.a. Really? Chicago and things of that nature. You know, what? that sound. I didn't play with Chicago. Let's <laughs> <play that. laughs> That's, uh, now there's a whole, there's Bonorama, right? I mean, there's a whole that band Bonorama, of trombone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, Doug, you're from New Orleans, and you're from uh, St. Mary Parish? Franklin, Franklin, Louisiana. Let me ask you uh, a question, Gary. Um, 
what's your strategy for coping when things go wrong? And the reason I'm asking this is uh, we were talking about baseball and movies earlier. The movie Moneyball, I remember Brad Pitt, whenever things go wrong, he races his car along the port there in Oakland. Is that what you do, or what do you do when you need to calm down? No, no, I just, uh, I, I usually pour a glass of wine first, and uh, <laughs> all joking aside, I, I just, you know, I don't panic, and I try to recall some of the uh, uh, days of the past from uh, – People in my life, uh, coaches, teachers, uh, and the one thing I will always forget—I will never forget—is uh, is the uh, the poem "Don't Quit, Never Quit." You know, success may be just around the corner. Never quit. So, it all has to do with just a lot of uh, uh, people that impressed me in my life, and people that I came into contact, personal contact, and touch with. Uh, never to quit. Never to give up because things will get better. They always get better. Well, that's a good way to live. Doug, what, you obviously cope with all kinds of things during the day. Uh, what do you do to calm down and settle in? I think, well, we have a close family, and I just enjoy spending time with them. That certainly helps. A good glass of wine is always a good tonic <laughs> as well. Um, and uh, exercise. You know, I like to get out, and especially if you go run out on that butterfly and you can watch some of the, the equipment going by, you realize how hard those guys are working and how much stress they have, and it, it all puts it in perspective. <laughs> well, that's great. Now, we're going to have our inbox section here, and that's where our producer picks a question that's come in during the week from a listener. Uh, Grant, what have you got? Peter, we've got some questions on Twitter. This one from both our guests from Tofleresque, who asks, with changes proposed at the airport, what will the impact be on intermodal transport? Well, I'll answer that from a cruise ship standpoint. It's going to be phenomenal in the sense that uh, as the airport expands, it will open up new markets to us. Right now, a market is 500. We have 500 million people that live within, I'm sorry, I got that wrong, 47 million people that live within 500-mile radius of New Orleans. But we don't have any good connectivity to the Pacific Northwest and to the West Coast. So I think what it will do is open up the West Coast basically to New Orleans. Everybody, amazingly or not amazingly, wants to go to New Orleans. I remember when I was at another port in the past. Uh, in fact, I was, I was ahead of the Mississippi State Port Authority at Gulfport. And we were trying to get Carnival to come into that port. And I can remember the marketing director for Carnival telling us, Gary, our passengers want to go to New Orleans. <laughs> so we now market it as two vacations in one. And between the, the, the commonalities between San Francisco and New Orleans is so much in common that I don't think we're going to have a difficult time if we just had the air connectivity. We're going to take a look at our lunch money. Lunch money is our out-to-lunch stock portfolio. First of all, the, the markets have been phenomenal. Uh, we have all new highs in all the indices. Uh, the market is actually, believe it or not, up 150% from the lows in March of 2009. So a lot of things are going up. But we'd like to ask the guests to pick one stock that we'll add to our uh, lunch money uh, portfolio. Uh, Gary, what stock do you want to give us? Well, you know, being in the water and maritime industry, uh, I like Aqua America. Aqua America is traded on, it goes by, its ticker number is WTR. And uh, in the last 10 years, uh, they've actually made over 200 acquisitions, geographically ranging from Pennsylvania down to Texas. They bought out many, many companies. Uh, and one of the things that I really like about them in the last five months, if you want a trend, they've grown by 25%, which is about the same rate of growth over that five-month period as Microsoft and Bank of America is 14%. So I think they're hot, and I, I think water is something very indispensable. And what are they doing with the water? What's the they're treating water, and they're doing some new things that deals, deals with hydraulic fracturing for the drilling industry and the new finds up in the state of Pennsylvania. So they're becoming more diversified after these last 10 years and doing more than just drinking water and water for waste and sewage. Uh, and treating water. Uh, they're, they're really getting into some really neat things that I have a, think I have a great future for them. 
Well, when I speak a little Spanish, I know agua is water, so I've got that. <laughs> they, uh, it's uh, stocks. Uh, WTR is the ticker symbol. Stocks around thirty-three dollars this year. Doug, which one do you want to give us? Uh, Peter, I decided to go with uh, Kirby Corporation. You know, we're our core business at Canal Barge is moving refined petroleum products by awesome. tank barge, and certainly Kirby does that. And I wish you'd asked me a year ago, because, <laughs> because a year it's ago it's been an amazing stock, right? It, yeah, a year ago that company uh, that stock was in the forties, and now of course it's about eighty-one, eighty-two dollars a share. So. It's been a, a phenomenal opportunity over the past year. Uh, they are our industry's leader in terms of uh, the barge count. They have 832 barges in an industry that has roughly 3,200. So they have a meaningful presence there. They've also grown by um, acquiring related businesses like diesel repair and the like. And now they're, they're getting into blue water by acquiring KC and Allied and uh, Penn Maritime. So very interesting company to watch, strong leadership and management there, and, and a company we enjoy competing with because we view ourselves as a private company that does things uh, also in a high-quality way. Gary Lagrange, Doug Downing, the Mississippi River really is the heart of New Orleans. Uh, but like our own hearts, we hear it, we feel it, but we don't often get to see it. Thanks for giving us a look at the commercial lifeblood of New Orleans. Thanks for joining me today on Out to Lunch. It's indeed my pleasure. Thank well, you, thanks. Peter. And we're going to point out that you're, you have a little bit of cold here today, and that's giving you yeah. that Bill Clinton sound. Well, I, I've heard that this morning. So, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> Well, good job. The, my guests at Out to Lunch have been Gary Lagrange, President and CEO of the Port of New Orleans, and Doug Downing, CFO and Treasurer of Canal Barge. To find out more about Gary, Doug, and the other people on the river who are happy to give, at least according to Dina Turner, follow the links on our sites, <laughs> www.org and itsneworleans.com. The show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. The beautiful Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. On our website, it's neworleans.com. You can join our mailing list and keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter. You can listen to past shows and get this show as a podcast on itsneworleans.com and WWNO. Org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at PreSonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again here next week on Out to Lunch at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments.